You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey, Alex. Hey, Nick. You know what's great? Yeah. I Well, no, I don't. What's no, no, no. Great? What do you think is great? I, there's lots of this great in the world. Uh, I got a cup of coffee right now. It's yeah. like 4 p.m. It's probably like getting too late to have coffee, but I have it. It tastes great. That That is great. Um, it's been a nice normal day. It's kind of cold here in Los Angeles, which is nice. I think that's great because it's, it's a little different. I was just on the East coast where it was like 75 degrees out. And then I come back to LA and it's freezing. We got a fire going, a fake fire. And and that's great. Sarah is still here in in California with me while you're on the East coast. So that's great. Yeah. 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 This is all great. No, no, no. I, I, I think that what I'm saying is something that, uh, a little less like about that Mm -hmm. more Mm -hmm. just you know if you you know stephen colbert put it best if you get fired from your job and the entire country lights up in celebration and starts dancing in the streets how shitty must you feel and i asked that and i just want to also throw in there Think about this before you answer, and the person who I'm asking this question to knows who they are. Mm -hmm. A song that is literally titled, Fuck Your Name, right? Fuck this person, Mm -hmm. has been number one on iTunes since Saturday. Is there a question? Fuck Donald Trump. Oh, that's who you're talking about. Get the little Justin. Little Justice, Little Justice. (laughs) Welcome, welcome, welcome to Little Fucking Justice. (laughs) Alex Smallow being an asshole. I've I've already like evacuated my entire being of that man. Like it doesn't even. I don't have to think about it anymore. You don't have to think about it anymore. Isn't that beautiful? Like we don't Some ha- people are trying to make it so everyone has to think about it still, but that's no. Dude, we're done. We're done with it. So it's so funny over. because so at at the time of this recording, we're recording this I, I guess it's a week after the a week and two days after the election results came in finally after that long long wait and uh you know people yeah, people are still trying to keep him in the news, but the thing is like we don't have like I think uh, uh Chase Chase, uh, Chase Buttigieg, uh Peter uh Peter Buttigieg's husband said it best. Like you don't have to retweet him anymore. Like you don't have to pay any attention to him. He yeah, is. Yeah, literally- I'm. I'm wondering. I read somewhere that actually Twitter only kept his, has kept his account obviously because it's good for their business. I think, but mm-hmm. also because they have some clause about public. You know, it's it's good for the public well being to to be able to hear what the president has to say. But as soon as he's not the president anymore, whatever whatever thing kept his account active (laughs) no longer applies, and they could easily just cancel him. Yeah, cancel, Uh, get him out. Should be. Oh my god, there's so many good things that are going to happen. Oh yeah, Uh, and I I feel bad. You know, me and my wife both we we have an outlook where like we don't wish ill on anybody, right? Like we're kind of humanist in the sense that like, we don't want bad things to happen. We don't want people to get hurt. We don't, this is such a special case uh, where you can feel nice and warm about thinking really bad thoughts about somebody else. And I'll even, I'll even go further. You know, I, I, I don't want him to get hurt. I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I just don't want him not hurt. Well, not physically hurt, not physically hurt, but, but, but his, his ego is so fragile, right? And his, his whole state of being is so, uh, 
propped up on just on just ego well and that's <laughs> and i mean nihilism that's... and like and and all this stuff that like it's it's not going to take much to just completely dismantle this man uh and along with it what he represents and well no and, and sorry to, you know not start to jump in but like that's um so much of what we're seeing right now, right? Again, a weekend, a weekend, two days out from from his loss, he is fighting this, and and fighting this in a way. I, you know, I watch. If anybody watches, a, there's a YouTube channel called uh, Legal Eagle, which I I highly suggest you anybody who wants to know anything about the law watches. A very good looking host, uh, DJ, um, who is a lawyer in DC, and like breaks down all sorts of law for you. And he was talking about the the kind of this fascinating thing where. <laughs> the stuff like you know publicly yeah they're all screaming like counter revote and we're gonna sue this and we're gonna sue that and we're gonna do this and then what they actually like p- pay attention to what they're actually filing for in the courts because it's almost like the polar opposite end like it's like the lawyers don't want to perjure themselves because they know that they are going in there with like right well no they, they can't they can't yeah they can't walk in and do something illegal right like yeah. they'll lose their license so they have to they're they're working just within the bounds to make the the boss happy yeah exactly and just enough so that they can then pair it to the public they you know the people who the lawyers are working for can tell the public they're doing all this this and that and the other thing but inside the actual courts like and we knew this right there's there's no ground to stand on no biden's won by such a large margin and there's absolutely zero evidence of any kind of fraud uh, which we knew that there wasn't going to be but everything actually went smoother <laughs> I think oh that God. anybody had predicted, right? Well, so smooth that that there's really no room for this argument at all. At all. And it was crazy, right? Because we were all waiting, you know, when when I remember so, you know, Tuesday night happens and we we you know, we'd been told there was going to be a red mirage or a blue mirage for weeks and weeks and weeks and still, you know, when you see when Tuesday night ends and like you see that Trump has is uh, looking like he's ahead in several states. You know, when I went to class, you know, when I went to teach my class on Wednesday morning, I will say like I was fucking depressed. Oh, we we turned it off after a while. Oh, I just yeah. went to bed and like like okay, yep. here we go. Is another four years of this. Like I can't believe that happened again, but I kind of can believe that I happened again, and was hoping it wouldn't, but it did. And and then and then three agonizing days later, <laughs> it just it was you start like, to realize that oh. Oh my God! And it so was, many people voted by mail, <laughs> dude. So many people because they're because and that was great because it was like yes, thank God the nation is yeah. being fucking smart and not trying to go outside yeah. in the goddamn pandemic. And and, then, they, and the, the the Trump campaign knew that was going to happen, right? But their whole plan of attack was get the most votes on voting night, on election night, and then when they start to lose, say, oh, like you can't do that. Like we want like claim victory early. Yeah. And then is, start talking about how it's all fraudulent. But like you, it happened in such a decisive manner that <laughs> you, you no, can't. It's insane. You can't, it there's failed. literally nothing you can say. And yeah. And again, with the Florida recount was like it was literally a margin of five hundred votes. Y'all, Pennsylvania is upwards of fifty thousand votes. There's no way. It's, and it's, Georgia, Georgia's doing a by hand recount right now, dude. just just to satisfy everybody, just to just to show you how how not wrong it is. So uh, and maybe it'll be off by a couple votes, <laughs> but but you know, there's like fifteen or twenty thousand vote margin in there. Like, dude, it's over. It's, it's over. so over, and it makes me so happy. So he's kicking and screaming, and he's not helping the transition team. He refuses to acknowledge that Biden won, and so there's no transition team being put in place. Like refusing you know the briefings the daily briefings that the the incoming president's supposed to get in the office space and the staff and all that stuff but like biden's like i'm fine 
I don't care. Like he can do this. (laughs) And that's the thing. That's the thing that I was thinking too, was like, even, you know, everyone's screaming and crying, you know, not screaming, but like everyone's worried about the fact that like, you know, the confidential documents that Biden should be able to see at this point, he's not going to be able to see. But the thing that like gives me solace is remembering that like, yes, is like, are they updating Biden on current threats? No, right. They're not. But Biden was the vice president. So like he, you know, I mean, like, I'm just, I'm not saying that people are, you know, unsealing documents that shouldn't be unsealed, but I'm also like, I highly doubt. But yeah, because part of the transition is about getting in and understanding the functioning, right? So you're not plopped down on January 21st being like, oh God, like where are, where's everybody's office supposed to be? Like, like, how does this work day to day? Like he, he knows the functioning. He knows knows how it is because he's been there. And uh, if he can remember, I don't know what his brain's doing at this point. Maybe he doesn't knows? remember being it's, it's, vice you know, president. It, it might as well be melted cheese. It might as well be Kamala Harris, you know, puppeteering right. from afar. I literally don't care. I'm just so happy he won. I don't won. care. I don't yeah. care. Like, like, yeah. you, you know what? You know, can I, can I say this honestly? Because I know so many people were like, I voted. I didn't vote for Joe Biden. I voted against Donald Trump. And that's fair. And I get that. I will say this. I, a couple of nights ago, had a binge watch of like all of the Obama White House videos with Biden. And the like, there are several. I mean, he's just. I mean, he just shares a charm with Obama that I think is wonderful. And like, there's so many, like, so many of their little, like, they, you know, they remember they used to do like these little mini videos of their little bromance that were like these, like little <laughs> yeah. short films that were like truly hysterical. Like, there's some of them yeah. that I just sat there watching. I was like, y'all are fucking dumb. But then. I will say the one that got me, if you want to know who Biden is as a man, and I don't know him personally, but I'm just like, there's no way you fake this. Watch when Obama surprised him with his, with the, uh, the, the, um, what's the, the, the award. It's, it's the, the medal of honor, yeah, that medal, whatever yeah. it is. I know the picture. <laughs> it's truly when you, I mean, watching that video is one of the most moving videos I've ever seen of, a, of any sort of government president anything and and you just see these two men who have such respect for each other and, and it's so amazing especially now like when we've had a president who doesn't who can't even spell the word humble to see Joe Biden like lost for words like so floored yeah. the first thing he does is be like I you know I would not be anywhere without my sons without my wife do you mean like they I I'm nobody like and like it's well, I just think humility is a big a big part of it because uh, like you know I I don't I don't know enough about Joe Biden's voting record I don't know enough of, even about his political career yeah, in no, it's, general it's, it's, but it's, it, it doesn't take it doesn't take much to see just that he is you know as much as he's a politician as much as he does the whole like charm kiss babies thing that politicians do he's a genuine person right his his morals are in the right place and his humility is right and and the way that the perspective he has is correct right the perspective of it's all of us together like america instead of looking at america as a series of problems and trying to like crush certain problems it's looking at america as a series of potentials yeah Right. It's looking at America as we could we could be better and and together like we can be better. And there's where people split is on how how to get there. Right. Um, But I think having someone who is who is not, you know, focused on himself and focused on 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 getting the anger out of people and and just getting back to decency is just such a huge. Yeah. Emotional shift. It's 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 good. I I really think that 
it's going to be an amazing tonal shift for this country and we're just all going to feel much better. And and that's this is to say nothing of Kamala who like broke every freaking barrier in the book. I love her, the her <laughs> I love the one image that's like the list of all the vice presidents yep. in, in emojis and it's all just the old white man emoji and then at the bottom <laughs> Kamala just it's the black woman emoji and it's truly like really yeah. brilliant. And and, yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. I'm so happy for her. I'm so happy for everyone who looks like her. I'm so happy for, you know, it's it's just such a win. Um, and I love that she's a freaking stepmom, right? She's not like, this is not, you know, this is also the first, I think one of the first vice presidents who's coming in there without their own kids. Like the kid, like the kids who call her mom are not her kids. Do you know what I mean? Really? Is- so, so the second husband, right? The first second husband. Yeah. Is also I didn't know she was a stepmom. He had a, he had a kid before they got has, married. She, those are her. Those two kids are his kids. Really? At least that. At least that's my uh, understanding. And someone correct me if I'm wrong, but that's my understanding. And what, and that's yeah. great. Like that, that's it's amazing. Just, it's just a different yeah. represent. You know, I mean, like let's get some different people in there and like right. You know, and I look and again, I'm just looking at the heroes of the thing. Freaking Buttigieg is you know on Fox News every day, slashing and dashing. He's been he's been putting himself in the right places. Yeah. Oh no, to, he wants to, he definitely to be speaking. Wants, and yeah. and Fox News itself, which dismantled that fucking propaganda yes. machine. Yes. Uh, but I will say, in the last few weeks, as the rats have been fleeing the ship, they've been fleeing with them. Like yeah. they really have. You know. No, they, they've done it. Which they've is done it. Which and that's and that's I think you know which is in strong. Uh, you know, uh, comparison or juxtaposition, I should say, um, to what they did in 2016. Because that, that's the thing that I think at some point we have to reconcile with. And it's not now. It's its truly not right now. But once we get through these next two months, I really want us to go back as a nation and be like, hey, news media and not just Fox News, MSNBC. All of it. CNN, no, all of it. Yeah. You guys handed Trump the election in 2016. And you did your job this time. But like, you guys really fucked up last time, and and what what can we do to continue to to create a, a less partisan news? I mean, and I know you know we 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 repealed the law that would have prevented this. You know what I mean? So like we if right. It, you know, well, that's that's what we need is regulation because it's it's not just the news, right? No. The news is is how your grandmother gets this, but your dad and your uncle and everybody they get it from from Facebook. Yeah. Right. They're they're getting it from these algorithmically driven uh sets of things that are meant to just keep you clicking right these yeah. these crazy articles and crazy stories and everybody you know in in these echo chambers they create these weird echo chambers online driven by ai right it's not even anybody sitting there like yes now show them the conservative media and they will fall for our plan it's like no what 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 the the monster that facebook is the computer yep <laughs> has figured out person by person is that people can get sucked into these, you know, weird QAnon vortexes. Yes. Uh, and there's no regulation in place to make sure that that stuff, like there's, there's no regulation on that information. It could be anything yeah. short of like an image that says like kill the president. Like, like it could, it could literally be any kind of information uh, that it wants to be. And if a lot of people start clicking on it, it will deliver it to more people because that's what it's built to do is, is make money. And like, that's, that's scary. It's terrifying. That's scary. Terrifying. And I think that, I, yeah, we just, we really need to look at these systems and, and I mean, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll put out some just, you know, in case anybody's listening who wants to, you know, get more facts with their news, um, you know. I would say I, you know, I oh, the only things that I paid attention to uh, during the election were NPR and mm-hmm. Associated Press. Uh, BBC is great. Do you mean BBC just by virtue of them being 
outside of our country. They yeah. have a really unbiased view. And then also, I will say, um, Jessica Yellen on Instagram. Uh, Jessica Yellen is a former CNN correspondent who now has yeah. her own channel and brand and new and hashtag news not noise but like it's just a great place to just get yes i mean Um, i i think i think too there needs to be a certain level of personal responsibility because it's easy to sit there and let people tell you what to think and how to feel if if you can just break down if you can look at whatever you know cnn's on 24 hours a day of course of course they have to build in some kind of thing to keep people drawn in for 24 hours a day that goes beyond you know, this person said this, this event happened. But if you, if people can start to, to pare away the opinion and pare away the buzzwords and, and start seeing how it's being delivered to them and just look at what's happening for what's happening, right? If, if you just look at Trump for what he says and what he does and don't listen to opinion about the other side, don't listen. Like if you just take him at his word yep. in, in on camera, on microphone, listen to his words and look at the actual actions he takes. And there's no way that you can support somebody like that. But if no. it's supported by a lot of people saying, he's great, he's doing it right, he's doing this, then suddenly what he says is not what he says. It's well, and, what Fox News says. And you have to do a deep dive of what he says too, because it's not just, it's, I think one of the things that, you know, people are able to spit facts about what he's done, right? So I've had several talks with um, a lot yeah, of- Yeah, I mean, you get ex- you get exposed to some to some- yeah. people online don't yeah. you i can see, <laughs> see you digging into some conversations oh i love it well, and that's my thing is because i i love having these conversations because eventually you will there will come a point and, and i'm not this is not a judgment you know this is not even about conservative i'm not even saying this is conservative every uh, here's what i will say every conservative that i've had a conversation with at mm-hmm. some point we agree on facts at some point i i present a fact and they say yeah, you know what? That's a fact. Or they present the fact, and I'm like, yeah, there's nothing I can say to that. That is actually factual. Right. Like, like that's where we need to get back to. That's where we need to be. Where, where you know, the Trump, the hardcore Trump supporters. What I don't, what, what ends up happening is a lot of deflection. Like, so, so one of the things that, um, in conversations that I've had with with Trump supporters, they love to throw in is that the the African American community is not aware of the number of things Trump has done for them because of right. mainstream. Yeah, he, he passed through a major prison reform bill, didn't he? He passed, he passed through the, and that's, so that's one of the things they throw in is the first step act. Now what the first, the first step act is absolutely a, a prison reform bill. It has gotten about 300,000 people out of prison um, earlier than they would have been. If I, if my numbers are correct, um, mm-hmm. it, it, what basically it is, 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 is putting in place programs and transition um, uh, resources so that these prisoners can, you know, whether it's, you know, work that they do while incarcerated, uh, classes they take can do these kinds of things. And depending on what crime they committed, cut down on their sentence time so that they Mm. can get out earlier and be, and be, you know, kind of, uh, factory lined into a, a job on the outside. Um, so on the surface, first step act is great, right? It, it, absolutely does something for our incarcerated population here's the things that it does not take care of the first step act does not account for the fact that the prisons are still underfunded and understaffed Mm -hmm. so all the classes that you are expecting these people to take to do this um there's no one to teach them and and there's no funding to to create them um and on top of that you're still not yes you're getting people out faster but the structures that are putting them in unfairly 
are still in place. Are st- so, and that's the real kind of core issue, isn't it? And it that's and 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 so it's it's a half measure. And 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 what I what I keep saying, you know, to me it breaks down like this. There there has to be some empathy at some point. Even you know, I, I had a conversation. This is a whole conversation that I had with a major Trump supporter, and his whole thing was about individual sovereignty, and the idea that your needs and whatever you want to do your your freedom of choice comes before any responsibility that you have to the community and that is a way of thinking that's absolutely a way of thinking <laughs> it's a way of thinking that justified putting tens of millions right. of us in bondage because you you dehumanize us to think of, th- of of us as, as three-fifths of a person as a labor force or as a labor tool and not a human being so like right it's that it's just it's it's it comes back to very basic principles and and i'm not saying that that the the liberal you know side of things is not flawed it absolutely is but there are we there we have to just look at the facts of things like you said and if you look factually at the things that trump has done they're all aesthetic and they're all geared towards the numbers and like success to make it look like this is something that's bigger than it actually is cuz the first yeah. step act is bullshit truly bullshit you know that's interesting i I mean it it's i think how i understand the perspective of right and people look at look at america right the formation of america as this like the the ability for people to have their own destiny to control their own destiny right and it puts it a lot on an individual shoulders like if you can't make enough money that's your fault get a better job if you can't you know pull yourself up by the bootstraps like everybody is responsible for their own problems uh and and taking care of yourself um is is the most important thing like i i can see where somebody would come from what boggles my mind about where american conservatism has gone is that they are actively voting for policies that work against those values um because but then still still preaching them to me what's fascinating about the why behind that why you are voting against your own interests or your own policies or your own political beliefs it comes down to this entire thing where you are now especially in the post-trump era like it's the reason that all this stuff is happening because they're trying and i'm again i'm not a political analyst but i'm just looking at the facts and seeing what you're doing you are you know that even though these people are fucked up they're your base now those these people are your base so you can't piss off your base and and I think that I I don't think that everybody who voted for Trump is you know do I think that they are outwardly racist? No, I don't think that everybody who voted for him is outwardly racist. I think that they are contributing to a racist campaign, um, whether knowingly or unknowingly. And I think that's the problem is that blind eye ignorance. And and that's mm-hmm. why you know as much as people shit on the Lincoln Project, I'm like no, we need more things like the Lincoln Project, which are like being like hey, we as a party used to have standards. And right. we need to bring those back. And we can we right. can disagree with people on the way. Joe Biden, and this is the last I'll say on it, but Joe Biden had said it perfectly in, in, in his town hall. It used to, the, the thing was, you may have, in the, in, you know, in the, the kind of glory days of politics, which, you know, still many people were not experiencing that glory, but at least in terms of the glory days of how things were run between politicians. He said, you never questioned anybody's motives. You always, you always knew that that the person that you were arguing against wanted the best for your country. It was never about where they were coming from. It was just about the way that they were going about getting there didn't sit with you. 
But now we are in a place where like people are questioning motives. And and in the case of Trump, with good reason, because you can't t- just looking at what he's done. You can't tell me this man is is about America. Trump is about Trump. Trump is about Trump. You know, that's just that's yeah. who he is. So yeah. you can't and you can't use a person like that as a tool to get what you want in America because he's not a tool. He's he's a he's he's a bull in a china shop. He's a, he's narcissism embodied. So yeah, it's it's a whole it's a whole discussion. But you know, I I would say that you know with Trump and this the, I promise the last thing I'll say on it. I think if you look at Trump and view him as as anything more or anything less than dare I say a political farce. See, I was going to say that there is no punny transition because this whole thing just literally is a farce. <laughs> it, it it's all just a political farce it's in all- and of itself. Like there yeah, there's no clever no, there's no clever here. way to get in there. I was trying to, for those of you listening, I was trying to to do and pull an Alex Smallow and transition into what you know what well, this podcast is. This actually about. this was that was softball for your first try. So I, I really good, did. Good it was job. like a soft little landing there because today's topic is, of course, the political farce. Oh yeah, I keep having every episode. We have to remind ourselves that we're a movie podcast. There's just so many. There's so much else happening in oh the world. Oh my god! Like, like being on with Brandon a couple weeks ago, we didn't even talk about movies until the second part episode <laughs> oh and at all and part of that's just brandon because brandon is just like a deep ass dude and he'll just like, yeah you know um <laughs> he just goes on, he goes off on these on these beautiful tangents um so do we uh but uh you know it, it, there is so much happening in the world per, per case in point and i promise is not a humble brag so i'm i'm you know i'm doing things for ain't too proud right now and uh i i had this moment today where i realized my my costumes that like still fit and and like this is you know this is nine months out from from the last time I did the show on Broadway, and and these costumes were costumes that had to be taken in, for, you know, several times during the course of my rehearsal because I was just dropping weight because it's just such a physically hard show, and I was like, oh my god, these costumes still fit, and then I realized, oh wait, that's the amount of stress on my body that is burning calories that fast because this world is so fucked. <laughs> <laughs> so you've just been sitting inside for nine months, just sweating anxiety, just, just stressing, just keeping and, and all that anxious. all that weight off. I've, that I've weight. gone the other way. I've oh, gone yeah. the other way. But we, uh, I haven't, I haven't gotten. Uh, I've probably put on maybe ten pounds during this Listen, whole thing. You're right? beautiful. Oh, and my, I got a little tum tum now. It's fine. Uh, it's fine because you know, of course, I'm allowed to do that. Yeah. Uh, but we we just ordered a. It's called a tonal. What is that? It's like. It's like a Peloton for weights. It's like this thing that you mount on your wall. Oh, they shit. come and mount it on your wall, and it's got two arms that come off it with, uh, with you know bands that come out, and it's got yeah. a bar you can attach to it and stuff, and it kind of smart controls the weight, and you run through on a screen. There's like instructors and stuff that run you through exercises and build programs that tracks all the different you know reps and that. and all that. Um, so we're but it because of COVID, it's like we ordered it like twelve weeks ago. We still haven't got it yet, so. Well, it will come. Fingers crossed. I'm gonna drop this tummy. You drop. You get drop the tummy, but not because not because you don't look beautiful, just because you want to. For yeah, yourself. because I want to. I want to feel better. That's right. Uh, That's and I'll right. still eat pizza. I don't care. Oh, dude, I'm totally getting fucking uh, fucking Chinese food tonight. Now, granted, oh, it's gonna it. be probably vegan Chinese food, but it's still gonna be delicious. Oh, it's disgusting. No, it's no, it's not disgusting. If you get it from uh, Jujube Tree, I'm shouting out Jujube Tree right now. Uh, in Queens, Jujubee Tree is delicioso. Um, we are not. We are neither sponsored by Tonal nor Jujubee Tree. 
No, we are not. No, we are not. But you know, you know, we are sponsored by sponsors. So how about this, guys? We will take a break. And when we come back, we will discuss the movies of the political farce, the political farce movies. So stay tuned. So yeah, we're so today we're talking talking about the political farce movie. Now, Alex, this was your choice. So what what made you? Was it just the farce? What do you Trump? mean? What what made me? Yeah, <laughs> I was like, what is the post election episode going to be? Because we we took a week off, get our bearings. Yeah, did you miss us? I hope you did. My Apple Watch. Oh, it's my birthday tomorrow, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I got it an Apple Alex's Watch, birthday. but it makes noises. Um, oh, so move. that's annoying. Okay, silent mode. Uh. What else? What else was this going to be? I I gave you the option. We can do political thriller, or we can do political farce. Yeah. Uh, and I I think the the answer to that question is pretty clear because I love political thriller movies. I love them um, too. And and there's se- there's several of them. So I was actually going to break the, my thing with political thriller when you suggested. It, I was like, ooh, if we do that, when we actually should maybe get more specific because there's like yeah, there's there's a there's, lot, and we can you know yeah. if if people want to hear it, we can we can get deeply involved deeply involved absolutely um, i think i think the thing i love about political movies in general when they're done well whether they're comedies or thrillers or whatever is that it, and and it's what changes in a post trump era now which is i'm excited to see what comes out of films like this moving forward because there's an inherent intelligence to them yes right there's an inherent uh, shrouded the, the mystery that shrouds the inner workings of the federal government yep uh the people who work up there are supposed to be, at least, uh, very intelligent, very careerist, very you know, quick speaking, um, you know, lawyers and and all you know, politicians and all these people who who are constantly juggling uh, what's best versus what's best for them versus what's best for what their goal they're trying to achieve versus all these things, um, and the stakes are America, and that always adds up to really exciting stuff even in comedic situations like just to see behind the scenes the conversations that happen in the oval office is inherent drama yeah um and that's what changes now is like (laughs) there's been a clown stampeding through these hallways for four years completely exposing how unorganized it all is right completely exposing how open to to you know bad actors whimsies Yes, it is. Um, and so the, the movie I chose especially kind of highlighted highlighted that. Um, but but yeah, I, I don't know. What do you think? Well, I I agree, and I think that that's kind of you know I I'm to me and I, and I'll we'll see if we'll see if this holds up because there's really only two people who do this like the, like so many people have done political farce. I think there's two people who have done this better than anyone else and i think and so i'm i'm wondering if our movies are going to be coming from one of these two uh Mm -hmm. creators mine certainly does because i think that's kind of what i always love about political farce is inevitably you see you know it's a peek behind the curtain and you see how freaking idiotic (laughs) these people are and and like and it's and the fun of it is like these are the people who are running our country and exactly. the answer is like yes yeah like 100% that because is- you just assume if you're in that position you must have earned it you must be a better person you must be smarter you must be harder working you must be wealthier you must be like they they must exist on another plane you know people who are not enticed by by human desires and and fallibilities but it absolutely is the case almost 
probably except for the secret service agents who are trained to not not be uh susceptible to whimsy um i think everybody else is oh my god it's it's, ter- it's terrifying it's really terrifying and it makes you and that's why i actually love um you know i love when they can when when whatever the movie is if they can find a way like whether it's actually a real event that they're that they're depicting or um can ground it in reality um mm-hmm. i love that because then then you the, the i think a political farce work to me works best when it just makes you that much more aware even even like not even consciously but just on the back of your in the back of your throat you're just that much more aware of how important it is who you choose to put in power yeah you know that that is that is the win of the of the farce to me because then you know it's it's not only made you laugh but it's 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 done its job it's taught you something like you you you're yeah. really thinking now and i i love that i love now that. now how how much is a political farce is it inherent that you're going to be talking about the executive cabinet the president and and his staff no uh, or I think it you can don't be, need to. I, I think I think it can be seen from all sides, right? I think I think what goes into the body politic. What are the what are the components? That's not just the cabinet. That's that's the reporters. That's do you know what I mean? Like I think I think you know in a way, um, you know, like uh, you know I wouldn't I wouldn't I truly I'm not saying this political farce, right? I'm not saying this political farce at all. But the producers, Mel not Mel Brooks producers, um. Uh-huh you know, has elements, has strong elements of a political fart. Like that, that just the idea, it's, it, to me, it's just like anytime you pull back the curtain pull on Pull back the curtain. I was going to say that exact phrase. Anytime you pull back the curtain. And and I think that, I think that, now here's what I will say. I think that what does have to be in place, I think that it really does work better for people in power. Like I'm not interested in, see, you know I mean? Like people who are the have-nots, I'm not interested mm-hmm. in seeing the Occupy Wall Street political farce because well because there's like, no stakes yeah right there's an implied the, the people at the top the people who are running the country and that's what's been highlighted by the last four years like everything that they do echoes out to every single person in the country in one way or another right yeah. these decisions have an effect on every single person there's there's nothing else in the country or the world that has an effect like that yeah. Uh, and and so even even if it's funny, even if you're laughing along with it, you care because you know the next decision that this character makes could affect every single person in the country. Yep. Yeah. That's that's heavy. That's yeah. heavy. So so what makes a farce then? Is there a difference between comedy and farce? Or is a political comedy gonna inherently be a farce just because watching people like that flounder is inherently Farcical, farce, farcical, farcical. Well, so so I just looked up the, de- the definition of farce. Farce is defined as a comic dramatic work using buffoonery yeah. and horseplay, and typically including crude characterization and ludicrously, ludicrously imp- improbable situations. Right. And so I think right comedy is not that. Like it, it, it comedy is something a little different. Comedy is a little more, a little more, maybe a little more broad than that. Right. Mm-hmm. This is very much talking about like the ridiculosity of all this it is that is a farce is like it is right. so ridiculous and i think that a political farce i think the reason that it's it's just you know what makes it special is it's like it's ridiculous but if you really think about it could probably and probably is happening right now 
Do you and, mean and that- that's my because my choice, I I I wasn't sure. I was like, ah, it it borderlines farce. And then I looked up the same definition of farce and ludicrously improbable situations is what caught me. Because this is this is what we were talking about before, right? Is we don't we will never know. Yeah. Besides taking the tour of the White House, we will never get close enough to the inner workings of of how this works to know what is and isn't possible. So an improbable situation could actually be a very probable situation, but just given the elevation of it is going to seem improbable. It's going to seem absurd. It's going to seem absurd. Well, and this is why to me, there was really only one choice. And I, and I mean that, and I, and I say that like knowing that there have been several movies that, that have done this, but uh-huh. in the, if you, like movies, movies that have like been a political farce that have truly hit me in the gut and been like, that is not only a great political farce, but also possibly a perfect movie. There's uh-huh. only been one. And, and so I was, I was like, I'm very interested to really? see what your, what your thought is, because I, I don't know. I, I'm interested to see. Yeah, I, I want to know what you're interested. Well, there, there's there's one that's very very obvious yes. for political farce. Uh, there's obvious. one that's super obvious, which I didn't pick. Yeah. Me, oh, good. Yeah. Because good, good. I figured we'd talk about it anyway. Was it was it made by a, a very prominent director? Was is it, that what you're talking about? Was it made in the 1960s? Yeah. Yeah. St- Doctor Strange. Okay. We didn't. I didn't pick it. Did I pick didn't it? pick it either. Okay, so let's just talk about Doctor Strangelove first, just to get it out of the way, because that that's the obvious one, right? Yeah. And for some reason, is the only really standing, true example of it. No, see, uh, that's the thing, dude. Okay, this or that's is, what it feels like. That's see, and this is maybe it's just my perspective, but there was there was a movie. So Doctor Strangelove, uh, you know, directed by Stanley Kubrick, um, you know, starring the great Peter Sellers, starring uh, who else is in that? Uh, George C. Scott. Um, you know, and it, old dudes. Very, a lot of old dudes, a lot of old dead dudes, uh, and you know about the the you know uh, a nuclear attack um, on the Soviet Union, and and just all the insanity that comes from that, right? Like, right. like you know, just just all the all the machinations behind the decision making, everything. Um, you know, Peter Sellers and, and, in in dual yeah. roles, right? It's 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 how many roles does he play? In that film, he uh, plays three. Three. He's what the the he's he's Doctor Strange Love. Yeah, and then he's and the he's president. president. It's, he's pre- it's been a long t- he, long time since I've seen it. He's the president of the United States, and he's one more that I'm forgetting. But you know, b- brilliant comic performance. Everything, nothing really. I wouldn't say anything's played for laughs. He's the captain, the yeah. British officer. Yep, yep. I wouldn't say anything's played for laughs in this movie. I just, I it's just. Well, no, it be, be, it's just it's given because you're watching you're watching people not not just the president and mm-hmm. what that infers, but you're watching the people with their fingers on the button too, yes. right? It's it's a whole movie about the implication of power and how the absurdity of humanity is completely in contrast to the responsibility of nuclear power. Yes, um, and and so it, it it's everything that we've we've been talking about is like hey like. The whole, like our whole society is re- inherently ridiculous. Inherently. Inher- inherently ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Look, Dimitri, you know exactly where they're going, and I'm sure your entire air defense can stop a single plane. Listen, I mean, it's not going to help either one of us if, 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 if the doomsday machine goes off now, is it? Dim- Dimitri, there's no point in you getting hysterical at a moment like this. 
So, so Doctor Strangelove, the yeah, classic, the classic, example. and 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 set the set the tone for everything that came after. Yes. Um, you know, there was actually. Did you see? Uh, it was a play, and they did a t- a televised one take version of it that I watched in high school about about hitting the the nuclear button. Oh, about no, the I've opportunity. And, um, I would love to see that. I can't remember. It's got an amazing cast. It was filmed in one take. Uh, and aired on TV, and I completely forget the name. So somebody tell you. Yeah, hit us I'm up if you hit us up hit, on the hit Twitter. Hit us up if you know at Lil Justice Pod, or on the Instagram at. But Lil it's good because it, it, it's basically Doctor Strangelove, but it it strips out the absurdity. It yeah, just so takes is, it I was very ask, seriously. Is it, is it funny? No, it takes it seriously. No, it's not. It's not at all. It's it's like it's like something code or code red or. Um, Red Alert, or it's got some kind of name like that, but it, it's it's the same situation, kind of like there's an impending ta- uh, attack coming, and do we strike back? Do we strike first? Do we, you know, and and all the implications and stuff that come with that, and the drama of just do you or don't you press the button? <laughs> mm. Um, and uh, yeah, who knows what the answer is? Uh, but do you want to you want to take us through? No, no, you you go first because I actually really want to hear what you chose yeah you know what i mean because i i i I will say i really enjoyed watching this movie okay i remember liking it when i was younger didn't remember much about it uh and i just enjoyed putting on my headphones and and it felt it felt warm and nice to, to watch a movie like this and it connected a lot with what's going on now uh so we open on uh washington dc the White House, the Capitol, the monument, uh, a helicopter, the presidential air air is it Air Force One? No, what do you call the helicopter? Yeah, uh, it's a uh, oh my god, I think it's not Air Force One. Uh, it's not Air Force One. Hang on, I'm gonna look that it, up. Helicopter it, One. Uh, hang on, Some, I, something. I want, now I want Air Force get Two. Whirly Bird, Whirly Bird One, Marine One, Marine One. That's what it Marine is. One. That's what it is. That took Trump to the hospital. Marine One. Um, flies, lands on the White House lawn. The president steps out with his wife. You know, nice, clean cut, hair slicked back, waves to the reporters. Two corgis come running out. They've got, you know, these two dogs hand in hand. The president and the first lady and their two dogs walk to the White House. You know, oh, thank you for coming. Uh, you know, yada, yada, yada. Good to see you. They walk in as soon as the doors are shut behind them. The leashes drop and the aides scramble to collect the dogs. They crisscross the wife and the president and they go off in opposite directions immediately. They hate each other, you can tell. They want nothing to do with each other. Uh, and they're off off and running. Mm-hmm. Is it... Uh, can yep. I ask, is, you, the, is the president played by one uh, uh, Kevin Klein? It's it's very possible that the president is played by Kevin Klein. That's amazing. That's what a great movie. And the mo- and the movie is Dave. 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 Uh... I'm Dwayne Stevenson with the United States Secret Service. We're with the federal government. Look, I I swear I thought that was a legitimate deduction. See, I do impersonations, so I I use that television with my Mr. Kovic. We're not here about your taxes. On occasion for security purposes, the Secret Service hires someone to double for the president at public functions and exposed situations. Your government needs your help. Dave. Directed by Ivan Reitman, correct? It is. Uh, yeah. Directed by Ivan Reitman. 
Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and, and Jason Reitman played, I, I, I saw at the very end of this movie, um, the vice president played by Ben Kingsley is getting sworn in and, and his like son, quote unquote, is standing next to him. And I thought that guy kind of looks familiar. Jason Reitman. I love it. I love it. It's also, uh, Dave was, I, I don't know where it stands now, but was on track to be made into a musical actually was it yeah well here here's the thing dave is one of those weird movies because it came out about the same time as the american president Mm -hmm. right which is a similar look behind the curtain as you will at the presidency um and and a a hard decision on a personal nature that a president needs to make um and and the situation seemingly absurd yep (laughs) actual the movie the script is so good the script takes such care to make sure it never quite gets into the absurd uh, that you buy it emotionally. You're like, okay. And it's not so you step back after you get to the end and you're like, wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense at all. If anything works how it's supposed to, if our government is formed in any way that it's supposed to, this entire plot should be completely impossible. So for those who don't know, Dave is a movie about an asshole president, right? Asshole. So maybe you can start drawing parallels. If not, okay. Uh, there's a president. He is a dick. He hates his wife and she hates him back. He has broken the law and is covering it up with his chief of staff, who is also a giant dick. Uh, and they've created this environment. Uh, he is in what... I, I don't know if this happened before or after... <laughs> Uh, he was, uh, I think it was before the Bill Clinton scandal, but he's having an affair with his secretary who works right outside the Oval Office. And he ends up having a heart attack, a stroke during, he's like sleeping with, with this secretary. Mr. President. So they go and they find an impersonator, right, to fill the role. But it's not like his administration says we need to find an impersonator. It's literally just his chief of staff Hmm. and his chief of staff's crony. Two people quietly decide we're going to replace the president with this lookalike. They take no precautions, right? The president has a stroke. There's doctors and EMT and they go to the hospital and all this. Uh, they somehow <laughs> convince the public uh, that the stroke was minor and they find an impersonator and teach him how to be president in like an hour. Uh, and then they stick him in front of the world uh, and he takes over. Now, over the course of this, like uh, Dave is is the impersonator. You know, he runs a temporary employment agency, a temp agency. Uh, you can tell from the beginning, he's a good guy helping people find work. He really cares. He rides his bike home singing and is just a fun-loving, energetic guy, um, contrasted to the president being, you know, a drab, negative Nancy. God bless you! God bless America! So he he ends up taking it and running with it. And over the course of that, falls in love with, with the president's wife, uh, who falls in love with him back, and, and there's this whole song and dance. And so the movie revolves around this premise about, can you... Just swap out the president with somebody who has no experience, no uh, training, no idea who anybody is or how anything works. Like literally, all they give him is they they've made like a chart on a on a whiteboard that shows you know 
oh, well, you were these people report to these people who report to you. And then he knows how to be president. An absurd, absurd situation. Uh, but the script uh, emotionally makes it work somehow. And what's the what's the lesson of it is that even if you don't have the day-to-day knowledge of what the presidency is, if you're a good person, you can make it work. That that is, I you know, I think I think that, and, and it's been it's and been that's the absurd part. That's the absurd part to me, though. And yeah. that's what the last four years have kind of enlightened me to is like like. It's it's very very important. It maybe is the most important thing to be a good person and 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 have a moral compass. Yes. Um. But there is so much more complexity to the presidency than just a can-do attitude. <laughs> no, right. And he, I mean, he does get replaced at the. It's not like he state right because I, I. Well, he gets yeah. Well, so they they solve it by having him. Uh. By having him fake a stroke, yeah, right, and then they just they just slip the real president back in, in in a ridiculous at the end, right? He's he gives a big speech uh, because the chief he ends up firing the chief of staff who brought him on, who's evil, Frank Langella, who yep. is an incredible actor who I saw incredible. at a, a Bristol Farms a couple of months ago. Um, very old now, just at the salad bar, just scoop. It was before COVID. He was just scooping some food in and humming to himself. I'm like Frank Langella, awesome. Love you, Frank Langella. Um, but very, very old. Uh, so he's he fires him, right? Because he's the president now. Even though he's not the president, nobody knows. Um, so then Frank Langella outs the president for being involved in this illegal thing. And so he goes before the whole world and says, yes, I was involved in this. And, and the vice president's a good man. And so whatever. And then he has a heart attack, fakes it. They rush him to the hospital. They have the real president in the, in the ambulance waiting. They rush the real president into the hospital while while Kevin Klein uh, is sitting in a baseball cap in the front of the ambulance, <laughs> yep, they don't they don't drive around the corner and let him get out. This guy who looks exactly like the president, uh, he has a nice little conversation with Ving Rhames with hair. Says thanks for everything, Secret Service Ving Rhames with hair, and then just gets out at the hospital as the at the hospital where the president is supposed to have just been rushed in with a stroke where the media is swarming all this stuff just hops out of the ambulance that just brought the president here and walks away like they really just shuffle off any sort of notion of of reality yeah um and it feels good <laughs> it no, just feels good james newton howard did the score and it 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 carries your heart yeah, and 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 you know, again, I, I again, I, I have not seen this movie in a long, long time, so forgive me. But I, I, but I just do remember that sense of like, you know, it's 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 Mister uh, Mister what's Mister Smith goes to Washington, just like any time. It's you know, the idea of like if you put a a good soul in the corruption and insanity of the the Washington D.C. scene, will they come out clean? And he does. Like he ends up coming out with like a, he does you but, know I, but but again it's it's what makes it farce to me because maybe four years ago i wouldn't have thought that it was farce it, at a certain at a certain point it, it's either not taken seriously enough or taken too seriously like the the weight of of the office right it's like it's yeah. a four-year post and this guy's already a couple years into it Yep, and so they they take his he makes a transformation and passes this big job reform bill to save a homeless shelter, all this stuff, uh, and and the movie celebrates it like he has just changed the world forever. Uh, but we know that how it works is as soon as you pass one thing through, 
someone else is going to be in your way and they're going to change it. It's, it's, it's always a work in progress and it's, there's never a conquered moment, right? There's never, there's never a, a moment where you have slain the dragon of healthcare or unemployment or, or, or whatever. Um, because it's always going to be this back and forth. And so to have a movie that uses Hollywood trope to, to handle it in that manner, big triumphant moments where everybody's cheering and he's succeeded and, you know, just, just really melodramatic seems absurd to me right now. Well, and, and this is interesting because right, this is not even the movie's intention, right? The movie is trying to sell you on the feel good aspect that yeah. he won and he did it and, and, and it does it like if you put your brain away the movie the movie's great the movie the performances does it. and the script and the music and the, everything's great you know but but i think i think this actually it's a great point because it points to something that i've always thought needs to change in the national conversation which is the fact that the 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 two at its best if we were to have a two-party system that was devoid of money and corruption and ridiculousness at its best, what it would serve as is a checks and balance system. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Where like, yes, we should we be it fiscal? It would be boring like it should be. It should absolutely be boring. It should be fiscal responsibility balanced with the needs of the people. That's what it should mm-hmm. be, right? And I think that I think that, you know, when it becomes something more and deeper than that is where we are now. And it's political theater. And that's what I think. I think that, you know, the human element will always bring the theater, right? This this really yeah. should not be. And again, we're also a young country, so we have not had the, you know, multiple centuries of experience needed in some cases to to finally get to boring politics. Um as a country, as a world we have. But, you know, it, I think that the sooner we can get there, the more the better will be. Did you yeah. um Talk to me about Kevin Klein because he's truly one of my favorite actors. So I- Kevin Klein, so temporarily a dual role, and I feel like he's played other dual uh, roles, hasn't he? It Wild was Michael Wild Keaton West, in buddy. Multiplicity, but Wild Wild West, Wild Wild West, where where he plays two versions of the same the same thing. Um, Kevin Klein's Kevin Klein's amazing. Oh, we're we're lookalikes. We don't look like each other, but I mean, I know what you're thinking. We yeah we. People hire us to impersonate the president and the first lady. We work out of an agency. That's where we met. They sure look like them. Thanks. Well, we work very hard at it. I mean, uh, she got her hair cut to look. I, it's a perfect match. We just uh, we just played the Saperstein wedding. They loved us. We did we did our uh, we did our club med routine where uh, the first lady and the president they go down to club med and there's Bill Mitchell. You know, he's like at 0700, I want an hour of volleyball, and then at 0830, I want a complete briefing on the whole surf situation. I, I I never really knew much about him until I edited the uh, the Galaxy Quest documentary that came out last year. Um, I was an editor on that, and and there's a section where they talked about how uh, Kevin Klein was supposed to play the protagonist, and the way that they're talking about him as this king of kind of physical slapstick and and timing and all this stuff. Like starting to go back through his previous roles and what he's done, he really is sharp no he's, you know i always kind of looked at him as like an american hugh grant like kind of sophisticated or, or um colin firth i always got him and colin firth mixed up but then you look at he's really not that no he's not um he's he's very he's very funny uh because he's relatable right he looks like a boring kind of buttoned up you know like he'd be your accountant or something like that 
and he's just kind of like a few cents short of a dollar. Dude, you know, there's just a certain ignorance to the world that plays into these in these big situations. See, um, I don't, I don't yeah. know how far back you went, but you need to you need to go back to his to his Broadway days. Um, yeah, because he what he actually what he was like sexy leading man. Um, really? yeah. I mean, I could see it for yeah, sure because right. he also he's he's dashingly. Yeah, he's very looking. dashing, and like, and it's yeah. and it, and he's just one of those actors who you just watch him. Uh, you watch his stuff on stage. You watch him in film, and he's just so free and so yeah, oh, like almost. Well, so go ahead. So this actually contributes to the biggest plot hole in Dave, okay, which comes at the very end when he, Dave decides to run for local office. Yep. <laughs> So he has just paraded in front of of the world as the president, right? And they and and because of his personality, the whole movie, they're like, "Oh my god, the president like had a little stroke and had his, his brush with death, and now he's seeing the world in a new way." They're watching him be himself uh, as president for a while. Um, he doesn't change how he looks to be the president. They don't give him a new haircut. They don't change his face. They don't do anything. It's just him. And now he's out running for office as this, where where if anybody just lined up two video clips next to each other of the guy running for office and the president giving a speech, they would they would it would be impossible not to know that it's the same exact person. Like, absolutely, but that it doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't but that's, make any again, sense. It's it's an absurd landscape um, that this movie takes place in. But again, yes. sold by wonderful performances from wonderful actors and a great script. Um, yeah, man, Dave. Yep. Yeah, Dave. Watch it. Watch it again. It's it's very good. Sigourney no, I'm, Weaver. I'm, 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 Laura I'm, Linney is is the the secretary who the president aw. has the affair with. She a small but but Laura Linney role. Laura Linney. Uh, Frank Langella again. Ving Rhames with hair. And Ving this Rames was this was the hair. year before Pulp Fiction. Oh, this was right before Pulp Fiction. So he's like about to just break out in his prime. Um, in his prime. Oh, man, it's wonderful. Yeah, dude, it's wonderful. I forgot that. I was hired to do a job for you, and that was just a temp job at that. I forgot that I had 250 million people who were paying me to make their lives a little bit better, and I didn't live up to my part of the bargain. I ought to care more about you than I do about me. I ought to care about more about... I ought to care more about what's right than I do about what's popular. I, I ought to be willing to give up this whole thing or something I believe in. Now, see, this is interesting because I actually went a very different route. I went a very different route. Um, and this is, this is, I'll be very interested to see, to see what you think of my, of my pick. And if you haven't seen my pick, I'm going to be truly upset with you. I um, still have trouble with last week's pick. Uh, did you? When we did slasher movies, I, I really, I thought more and more about it, man. The faculty, not a slasher movie. I know. I, I squeaked not a by on that movie. one. I squeaked by. <laughs> but this one, this one is absolutely 100% a political farce through okay. and through. And in my opinion, I dare say the best political farce in the past 30 years to me. Okay. I just, I think, and Bold I we usually talk about favorites on this. Bold claim yep. the best. The best. The best. So we open with classical music. I'm not, and, and, and on a, we open in a specific country at a specific time, but I can't tell you the country at the time because I think that will give it away. Okay. But just know that this is a, this is, we open at least 70 years ago in a country that is run by a dictator. Mm-hmm. And 
we open, uh, there's there's some opening captions that tell us as much. Tell us about this dictator. Tell us about the fact that people are being lined up and shot in the streets and all this stuff. But we open not on the I dictator, but is. you know what it is. I think I well keep keep going. Yeah, but I'm, we, I'm well sure. this is yeah I, I'm pretty sure you know what this is. But we open not on the dictator, but on a concert, on a classical concert that's happening in this. Yep, that's happening in this state. And uh, this this lovely pianist is playing uh, uh, an aria with a full orchestra. And the guys in the booth operating it, this is a, this is a concert that's being played live and, uh, you know, on for the radio. And the guys in the booth are listening to it. It's very lovely. It's very peaceful. And then all of a sudden they get a phone call in the booth. And then they go to pick radio up the phone. Moscow, Director Andrea, what is on it? the other end of the phone is, who is it, Alex? 17 minutes. It's Joseph Stalin. Yes, it's Joseph Stalin. Of I can bring back the movie, of course, minutes. Death of Stalin. We should, we should get a doctor. Yeah. Yes, if only we hadn't put away all those highly competent doctors for treason. You know? Yes, I do. I do. And, uh, you know, they were plotting. They were plotting yeah. to poison him. Yes, that's right. You, yes. you collected the evidence. Yes, I did. I did. And are you still testing me? Um, and I'm gonna fi- I want to finish this story because I, I think it's fascinating. This opening yeah. is amazing to me. So Joseph Stalin and Joseph Stalin calls them, and uh, he is you know he's like I love this fucking concert. I wanna I wanna get a recording of it. They're like you want a, re- a recording and like it goes back and forth like like there's like a whole back and forth that's a brilliant writing back and forth of them trying to understand each other, and the concert ends, but they, these guys haven't gotten a recording, and in possibly one of the best opening scenes to a movie to like to set up everything without telling you anything the the guys in the booth are so terrified of the fact that they didn't get a concert recording for joseph stalin that they run out and force like everybody stay stay okay nobody leave nobody leave lock the doors lock those doors if you wouldn't mind just taking your seats again please that would be fantastic take your seat take your fucking seats take your seats don't worry nobody's gonna get killed i promise you Get back in your seats. Get back in your fucking seats. Everybody <laughs> sit down. People have already left. The band has already left. They have to go and like get an entirely different conductor because the conductor that they had is already a gone. And like they bring everybody back in their pajamas and like redo this concert. Hi. Deepest uh, apologies. Uh, Radio Moscow requests your presence immediately, please. Your Moscow's finest and nearest conductor. So we must hurry. <clears throat> And like the the pianist is like being very like she's she is very clearly like against Stalin. It's like I'm not going to do this for you know below this amount of money. So she like haggles with them. And it's a whole thing. Just you're rushing to see these people. And here is the most fucked up part. That shit actually happened. That was true. It's this is what's brilliant about oh the death of Stalin. Oh my god! Everything that happens in this movie actually fucking happened. <laughs> they actually. <laughs> Had that that entire thing, they were actually doing this concert. Stalin comes, they're like, I want to record. And they're like, oh, we don't have recordings. Like, we better get me a recording. And they're like, everyone get back. And they had to like, the only thing that's, oh that's different God. is that the guy that they had to run and go get, the new conductor, um, they they he was uh he was already like maybe a little he was nearby. Like he 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 uh-huh. was called, but like they all brought them back in their pajamas and they replayed this thing. <laughs> and like down to and things down to like the fact that like the pian like the, in the movie they have the pianist sneak a letter to Stalin, um, yeah, 
you know, that's like the, the letter that causes him to have a stroke. Right. Right. Uh, you know, because what ends up happening is, you know, as per the movie, the, de- the Stalin dies. Um, he has a heart attack in his room. And we'll get to that later because um, that, uh, that's a or not later, but in a second, because that's another really wonderful thing. And it's all the people who are under him vying for power in this vacuum now that Stalin right. is dead. That is the that's the plot of the film. So here is the here's literally what happened. The, the letter that she sent did not cause him to have a stroke. But in real life, she did send a letter that was like, you are a fucking bastard. And like, I hate you. Um, but here's what did happen that they do depict in the movie. Stalin has a stroke in his study, right? So so he's up all night partying with like literally with with his cabinet, right? Khrushchev, mm-hmm. Beria, um, uh, you know, um, Melenkov, all these guys who yeah, are like his the sick boys. Fans. Yeah, the, these guys who are like sick fans and like just SSD just so that they don't get killed. Yeah. They go. They Isn't send him. Steve Buscemi, home. one of them. Steve Buscemi, he plays Khrushchev, <laughs> and that's another another histor- I'm I'm gonna hit you with all these historical things because it's amazing. Oh, you did your research. Okay. Oh my god, this. Well, when I first saw the movie, I did my research because I was like, this can't be true, dude. Ninety five percent of this movie is accurate to life. That is what's so insane. Khrushchev in the movie they have Khrushchev do do this thing where he would go home and he would. You know, again, he's trying not to get killed with Stalin, and he knows that the one thing that he has over Stalin is that he can make Stalin laugh. So he would, you know, in the movie they have him do this thing that's ridiculous, where he goes home and talks to his wife about the jokes that, like Stalin, that he told Stalin that Stalin laughed at and didn't laugh at. That is true. I made a joke about the farmers. Does Stalin laugh? Uh, yeah. I made a joke about the navy. No laugh. No more navy jokes. He actually did that. He would go home and talk to his wife about, write this down. Stalin laughed at this one. He didn't like this one. He loved this one. He didn't like this one. And like, just so he could know what to say to Stalin. Oh my God. Here's what's even crazier. So he, the man has a heart attack, falls over, makes a big thud. In the movie, the guards outside are like, should we go check on him? And they're like, no, it's fucking Stalin. We're not going in. He'll kill us if we interrupt his time. Again, actually freaking happened actually happened these guards heard there's a sim go ahead yeah there's there's a similar thing i read about and i don't know who it was but there was a queen in the 17 or 1800s uh and it was against the law to touch her dude right you could you could be put to death if you touch the queen and she fell off a boat and was drowning and no people could have saved like there were all these people around and nobody wanted to jump in and save her because it meant death death to touch her death and that's that's (laughs) the kind of fear that this guy had over these yeah. people. They literally let him die because they yeah. thought they were like freaking out. And like, so it's so inc- like the amount of detail in this movie and, and things that they didn't have to make up is kind of insane. Um, you know, there, there's just, is it, it, it's, I, I saw it, but it was a long time ago. Does it all take place in the course of like 24, 48 hours? Like, like it's a pretty, maybe, maybe. Yeah. It's, it, it, it was, uh, it came, it came out 2018. It, it I think it's like, maybe they, they might can, I think they might condense, a lot of time but it does take place in it's yeah. like yeah the, it's the all like, like the immediate days. reaction to stalin dying and yeah. what do we do the about it like the week um, after he's died yeah um but but again like everything like even down to you know this this you know if you if you know history then you know the ending of this movie um which is that so baria who is played by the amazing simon russell beale um, if you watch the original penny dreadful he is in that and he is incredible just an incredible british actor and uh stage and screen actor just huge talent um 
plays Beria, who you know the movie is really framed as really a a a, a kind of a you know a, a grudge match between Beria and Khrushchev, mm-hmm. played by Steve Buscemi, and who's gonna who's gonna take over first, and like <laughs> you know like they there's this one scene where um they the daughter that you know the kind of the prize to be won the heart who you have to win is the daughter so they all like hear the daughter pulling up in their cars and they're all like out in the woods plotting they all run to meet her um because she like she has to like get in touch with <laughs> and here's here's an even crazier thing so that so uh stalin has this son who um oh my god what's his name i think it's like it's like nikolai or like some you know some weird uh you know not weird that's just some russian name and uh (laughs) stalin at the time in the movie at the time that stalin dies his son is worried because he's like his son is like a black sheep fuck up like drunk and sends like is like trying to build like a russian hockey team and like sends them in like a plane that is like like he somebody told him like hey don't send them in this plane because like problematic and the entire russian hockey team dies so he tries to like (laughs) get a new hockey team so his dad doesn't know that he killed the old hockey team happened actually happened actually happened he killed the russian hockey team and he's like scrambling to get a new one but like uh, you know one of the most fucked up things that happened is is just like you're again in in full concordance with what we're talking about which is like these are the people who have their hand on the button even the way that they like, you know, that Khrushchev finally gets over Beria, like it's this like sloppy, half slapstick, half terrifying coup, right? Because yeah. you know that final scene where they like they like get, you know, he gets like the Russian the military boss, um, played by Jason Isaacs, teams up with him, and then they like overthrow him in a meeting, and it's like this horrible thing where like you know it's just so haphazardly put together, but one of the things that I think is it was the moment that I solidified the movie for me. The movie has been up until this point. There's not one bit of this movie that feels it's dark humor, but it's like hysterical. And then when they capture Beria, who's like a horrible person, by the way, like he, you know, and truthful, you know, historically as well has, is like, you know, he is creating death lists where he just sends soldiers out to kill people willy nilly, no matter, you know, just, just because they said something wrong to him or whatever. And like, holds women prisoners and rapes them like rapes children like he is a true he was a true sociopath and yet when he gets overthrown they like the way that he you know they they basically they they rush they beat him up and they they have like a makeshift tribunal for him and they shoot him dead in like like literally in like this truly like very suddenly stark and like dark thing yeah. like it all of a sudden the movie stops being funny and you're just watching this man like scream at his fellow council right, because, members because it's real because it's, it's real all, it's all real yeah, and like and the only difference is that they they there was a there was a bit of time in the movie the 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 coup takes place the same day that his execution was and in, in real life there was a little bit of time between his execution and the coup but like still dragged him out and shot him and it's really effective, man. I, I, and, and it goes back to, you know, I think this is why I say there's only two people who have done this so well. Uh, Armando Iannucci, who is the director of this movie, uh, the writer of this movie, also known for Veep, also known for In the Loop, also known for right. a, a bunch of these kind of farces of po- politics. Um, 
he's I think he's just the best. He's the best that we have at this genre. I, I mean, if you look at all of his work, it is truly he gets these actors who just have these like who just know how to be, you know, know how to just just throw wit around. Julia Louis Dreyfus in Veep is a revelation. Like if you haven't watched her work in that in that TV I only show, watched the first season of it, but oh I've, yeah, I've heard great things. It's it's and this oh, is God. this is literally Veep in movie form set yeah. in Russia in the 1950s. Um, it's so good, and I can't say enough good things about it. I really I love this movie hmm. so much. Yeah, I remember loving. It. I don't remember, you know, beat for beat, but I remember the the tone, the fact that it all actually happened is is pretty Insane. crazy to me. And as I'm reading about it, as you're as you're talking too, it it's been the real world effect, right? That it was on Obama's best of 2018 yep. list. Uh, at the same time, it's been banned in Russia. <laughs> yeah, seen as an unfriendly act by the British intellectual cl- class. Because I, I was thinking, like, okay, it's a movie uh, about Russians with. UK and American actors and then written, you know, produced by people with names that are neither British nor American. Uh, and it looks like it, it, it's UK, France and Belgium are the three countries that kind of made it together. What I love about it, too, is because of how specific they made it, you watch the movie. And especially I remember watching the movie. I was still on tour with Hamilton. I saw it was actually my first first tour city. I saw it in Seattle. And, uh, it was when I was, you know, when I was out on an injury, I just met up with, uh, my buddy JP and we just saw what went and saw this movie. And like, you know, then at that point we were two years into the Trump administration and you just watched the movie and you're like, that's, that's it. That's Trump. That's it. That's, that's what's actually happening. Actually happening. And, and, and a, mu- a much better, uh, version of farce, I think than Dave. <laughs> well, I think, well, I, th- I just, I just think that he understands it. and like Dave, no, no, Dave is, I think Dave is farce, but Dave, I think from what I remember of Dave, it's very much character driven in terms of like you you're rooting for Dave. And I think that's so it, it important. is. Yeah. It's, it's feel good and not uncomfortable. It, it feels uncomfortable when you realize the implications of what, yeah. <laughs> what the story is. But, but this, I mean, death of Stalin is, is really something where it's like, Oh God, the people at the wheel are, are, drunk idiots <laughs> like, they're like idiots. this is they, not yeah like, all of certain and, and it's hard not to look at 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 stalin and the soviet union in relationship to you know hitler and and nazi germany oh God, and yeah. all these other you know dictatorships through time where you realize like so much of it is theatrics so much of it is 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 a small group of people convincing a large group of people of something uh, and then being something different, like the the power of messaging, um, and that's what's that that's what was scary about Trump. And I would love that we can talk about this as a was, as and a not was. Is. Oh my god, it feels so good. That's what was the threat with Trump is a small group of people who are very obviously looking out for themselves and without the mental faculty to make rational decisions in the best interest of the people. Uh, convincing large swaths of people, most of them, uh, you know, uneducated, <laughs> maybe, well, um, well, un, un, unwilling, unwilling to open their minds. Yeah, that's uh, what I would say. However, however you want to, however you want to phrase it, um, that that's a, it's a serious threat, and it's been repeated over and over and over through history. You know, it, the whole doom to repeat itself thing it really brought came back out with Trump. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that we've been able to kind of skirt the disaster yeah. and, as and, it were. And, but. and for now, because I think, I think this is the other yeah. thing you have to consider. And that's why I love your definition of political theater is it's theater. 
The problem with political theater is that you can't argue with it because it's not the very nature of it, it is not right. founded in any fact. It is literally make believe. Right. That is what political I mean. Theater is a lot. Theater and film, right? That's what they teach you right at the beginning. That it, it's a lie. Who that French oh, yeah. guy? What's his name? Film is a twenty four lies a second or something like. Oh yeah, something pretentious like that. <laughs> but like, well, it's, um, it's, it, but it's know, it's true. It's every Christopher Nolan film, like you know, which, yeah, you know, which is a meta concept right. film in itself. It's like film. The storytelling isn't you're you're creating illusions, and that's that's what to evoke emotional reaction, right? So when that hits the real the real game, uh, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to run a country based on uh, emotional on emotional reactions, which is yeah. why I think you know you know looking at again, I just say looking at Biden, and even looking at, you know there people are so afraid of of the quote unquote progressives who are going to push him further left, but here's here's the thing. If you look at the if you look at the two progressives who everyone's you know everyone on on the right is most afraid of AOC and Bernie Sanders, um, mm-hmm. these are two people who you know I arguably you know Bernie Sanders has obviously been there for, since the dawn of freaking time, but AOC doesn't come without the Occupy Wall Street movement, right? AOC doesn't come without a bunch of these movements that happened that were just weren't even about we're not about theater we're just about people being like please look at this this is a problem. Look at this. So I think what I what I always sense about AOC people's problem with AOC and Bernie Sanders and and even Joe Biden and Kamala Harris is like they're really you know I, I would you know Kamala Harris I actually would have a conversation about with in terms of this but like people are really just telling the truth. That's what I like about like say what you want yeah. about Joe Biden's record. Say what you want about whatever like but like. The man makes a point to tell the truth. I loved in his in his uh, last, I think it was either his town hall or his last debate. Somebody it was his town hall. He he got asked a question that he didn't know the answer to, so he pulled out a freaking cue card and he looked up the stats. <laughs> and it was like that's I prefer that. That's what we need. That's, yeah, just be boring. <laughs> just look up the stats. Like just be real. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Man. Yeah. I mean, I I think I think what's happened to is uh, the the elasticity of the political spectrum has gotten to the point where the right has with all their, with all their tricks and smoke and mirrors and everything has pulled everything so far, right. Has pulled the right so far, right. In their thinking uh, that they, that now when they say, look at the left and that's pulled the left, right. Right. Because the left's trying to meet them in the middle, but they've been moving the goalposts in the middle. The goalpost has been shifting. Right. So when they look at the radical left, really, uh, Bernie and AOC and any other modern democratic society are just normal left. Yes. It's just normal. Hey, it's just healthcare and uh, everybody needs to chip it. You know, people who are making a billion dollars need to chip in a little more. That's that's the messaging. And that makes sense in any normal society. That's the problem with, with this theater. That's the problem with convincing these people what it is because they're saying like, that's evil that somehow that that they're radical and they're they want to destroy you and it's communism and it's social it's like it's absurdity when you think about it uh but they've convinced enough people at this point now that there's no going back there's no convincing them otherwise so it's like how do you how do you adjust the messaging how do you pull back the other way um and get people to kind of see how how off center everything is yeah yeah yeah, and and I think and, and hopefully, the answer. yeah, and hopefully, hopefully, you know, and again, looking at like Stacey Abrams, looking at, you know, the the fight for Georgia that we got coming up in a month, um, you know, or two yeah, months. Alaska just went. I think, I think all we can hope for now is to is to have equal, yeah, split in the Senate, something like that, which is going to cause its own problems, even if Georgia pulls through. But 
Yeah. Uh, we'll fight, but we'll, but it's gonna we'll be, fight. Yeah, we'll fight and and just a, a return to rational debate. Rational. Just just good old uh, partisan obstructionism. That's it. how it should be. That how it should be. <laughs> how it should be. Just obstruction. But yeah. So the political oh, farce, uh, Dave, and the death of Stalin. Two great films. Check them out if you haven't. Get us get at us Both, with anyone. And, and watch Doctor Strange. If you've never seen Doctor Strange Love, you kind of need to know yeah, what it check is. It out. You need to watch it. It's it's incredible. Yeah. Uh and at some point we'll do political, other political stuff. I want to get into like Oh yeah, let's do political like, stuff. Political, like military political, like Tom Clancy stuff, Manchurian candidate, stuff like that. You know, those are that's the real shit right there. That's the real shit. The that's real the shit. Real shit right there. All right. Well, listen, everybody, take care of yourselves. Stay safe. And we'll see you uh, next week. Bye, everybody. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.